0: Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome! Listen to Ask Brian Radio Show. A S K B R I T and part of the Ask network. So for those of you who have never listened to the Ask radio show, well, I guess you'll learn something new. What we do each week is we interview a startup, a CEO, someone up and coming. Maybe it's a product you've never heard of. Maybe it's a service you never heard of. What we try to do is introduce you to a new way to do business, try to teach you a business lesson in each time. Now, everyone asks, if you've never listened to the show, why is Brian spelled with an E? When I went to school, everybody spelled Brian. B R I A N, B R Y A N. Why in the world would you choose Brian, B R I N, and S Brian for your site? So, here we go, the engineer,
2: and that begins with an E, so I took one away. Why in the world would you still at front with an mean? Come on, you take away my thunder every week now with taking one of the E's, and yes, the engineer is Well, there one is
1: of no them. thunder where I am because it's all sunshine.
2: Yeah, but that place does not start with an E, it starts with an H. But it sounds like an E at the end. A Y-E. That's very true. Well, there are a number of words that mean a lot throughout, uh, you know, they're kind of like the themes of our show. Uh, one of them happens to be, well, empathy. But in this particular case, Mr. Brian was not. Very empathetic towards me because he took no word. So was not I
1: gave you a chance to answer questions. That's very
2: empathetic. That's uh, Okay, you know what? He brought it back. He brought it back. (laughs) Uh, The other ones we have are experts because everybody that appears on our show happens to be experts in their field. Others we have is effort because we all give 110% effort on this show. Other ones we have, let's see, excellence because everybody here exudes nothing but excellence. Aren't we forgetting two more there, O'Brien? Isn't one of them uh, excitement? It's enthusiasm, enthusiasm, enthusiasm. Woo, woo, That's woo. the other one. Hey-o. <laughs> I got them all right. Uh, am I missing one more? Because I know we might have added or well, subtracted expert, one. Because you have to be an expert on
1: it, I already said you expert.
2: to be on our show, you have to be an expert. I said expert. I'm not so sure.
1: Anyway, <laughs> we are live from Santa Clarita, Los Angeles. We have co-host Tracy, right there? <laughs>
3: I'm here! Yay! Hello, everybody!
1: And then we have two guests. Craig, are you there? I'm here, sir. And we have one more guest.
4: Mom! Are you there? <laughs> I'm here. I could use that every morning. Thank you. <laughs> oh, don't are tell you? him that. Don't tell him that. Don't tell him that.
1: I'm going to be your alarm I'm clock. what In fact, you asked I'm going to send you an alarm clock image of Mona. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your middle name isn't Lisa, is it? It's actually Mona Leah hyphenated. (laughs) Wow. That's pretty close. (laughs) So we have two people today, so it's going to be a little bit trickier, but Craig, I wanted to quickly go over your background, and then Mona will go over your background shortly, and then we'll go into what your company is doing, what you're doing, and how you're helping our society and our world with your prebiotic
5: class. Craig, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, my name is Craig Goodwill. I'm a award-winning producer-director in the entertainment industry. You know, that includes movies and commercials and documentaries. I came up in the world as a journalist for CBC out of Canada, telling stories in you know Ukraine during the Orange Revolution and the Haitian earthquakes. So, yeah, that's me in a nutshell.
1: And before you started this company, you were only exclusively in a film business. You never actually had a, a consumer product business, correct?
5: That's correct. Now, I did go to school for marketing and journalism as well, so I have a strong understanding of that. And of course, when I was in grade 10, I was in Young, young Entrepreneurs, a program where we made tie-dye socks and sold them to people. So I feel that set me up really well for, uh, uh, you know, big business.
1: Now, you're, you're a Canuck. Where are you from?
5: Uh, we're from Toronto, originally.
1: Well, I went to the University of Buffalo, which is about a two-hour drive, so... I know the area Well, no, are my par- my parents live in
5: Fort Erie. My parents live in Fort Erie,
1: so Well, wow, that's pretty close. close. Not where I am right now, but pretty close when I was. N- no. Now Mona, you are what do you call it? A, a homeopathic nutritionist? <laughs> what exactly are, are you?
4: I'm a, a registered holistic nutritionist. So I teach people how to use food and uh, supplements to optimize their health. My life looked really different. About 10 years ago, I come from the corporate beauty world. I worked for a lot of fancy names like Christian Dior and Tom Ford. I think I had you know, someone's dream job on paper, but that led to me burning out. So I was waking up in hotel rooms, not knowing which city I was in. (laughs) But I actually suffered from major anxiety and I ended up with major heart palpitations. That led to me having two heart surgeries. And uh, it wasn't wow. until the second heart surgery where I was staring at my heart on a massive screen wondering what the hell I was doing there because with my background, my dad is Danish, my mom is, uh, sorry, my mom is Danish, my dad is Indian, he took us to live in an ashram every summer and if you know anything about ashram living, now, what it's really is, all what about food is medicine. What people don't know. Yeah, an ashram is a, it's a spiritual center where people really focus on the power of food, um, we focus Board. on meditation every day, you're focusing on breath medicine. work and all of those things. So, you know, my... My 20s, I had to get my partying out, I guess, and then it took me having two heart surgeries until I went back
1: to my roots. Wow. Yeah. And so did you have to go back to school to become the registered uh, for the Passage Nutritionist?
4: I did, yeah. I did a really great uh, program in Canada, and then it was about 10 years ago that Craig and I moved down to L.A. from Toronto. Well, I just want to
3: say that I completely relate to that whole accelerated corporate <gasps> experience and then yeah, experiencing no. that burnout. So I applaud you for recognizing that, even though it took two heart surgeries for that to happen.
4: Thank you. Yeah, it's crazy how common that story is.
3: And I think when we're driven to success to the way that you are, clearly, but it's, and when you're young and experiencing that at the same time, it's like you think you're invincible, but then you find yourself, like in my case, I found myself in the fetal position in front of, at the end of Schwartz in New York, uh after collapsing after an event, a live event, it was probably one of the wow. most high-profile events of my career. And I was like, in the irony, there was a toy store. It was not lost on me either. But it was, you know, I've had a couple of, not one, but two of those experiences in my life. And I'm really not looking for a third one. So I'm very excited yeah. to hear about your program. So what got you, at, so post-heart surgery, was that the big pivot for you, the second heart surgery? And then what dramatic steps did you take to pivot?
4: Absolutely. So, you know, I threw in the towel to the corporate world. I went back to my roots and I really started to learn what this was, you know, the foundation of food as medicine. It's not food is like medicine. It's food truly can be our medicine. And I started, you know, luckily working with a lot of professional athletes right out the bat and you know, was changing their meal plans and their, their menus to really focus on food to optimize their performance, their mindset, their digestion, their mood, because today we also know the power of our digestion is really linked to our brain health, right? Our emotional mood every day, our energy, and so I started to notice that some minor changes in their diets led to really big results, and so I've been talking about gut health and probiotics and prebiotics for a long time now.
3: Like I wanted to highlight the fact that you spent time in an ashram as a child growing up and then did you feel like that you just got away from your roots and then this brought you back and gave you this beautiful gift of then impacting other people's lives with your information but is it Is it one of those things that as you're a child, you don't really appreciate where you are until you look
4: back on it? Absolutely. You know, I have so many memories of living at the ashram and, you know, looking at my dad, like, what do you mean we have to go meditate again? What do you mean you're waking me up at 5.30 to go to a meditation hall? We're eating only vegetarian food, there's two meals a day. There's such a strict schedule around yoga and breath work and meditation that it kind of was not fun at all. So obviously it was an amazing blueprint for me, but I definitely think that I did not understand the the value of it. It wasn't until my own health was suffering that I really understood why we went there. My dad took us there because my mom Mm -hmm. suffered from debilitating autoimmune disease. And looking back, I remember specifically seeing my parents' energy thrive. My mom's inflammation and pain would go down. We would leave feeling so much more relaxed, and this is all something that we're all hungry for today, right? Do we all not want to wake up with more energy every day, feeling better, closing down some of the tabs in our brain because our brains are just running nonstop? And that's what I say about the ashram. Like, it really, truly is the ultimate wellness retreat. So your business, in your name
3: is your brand, and you do a lot of consulting and programs to help people get on track, even some famous names like Will Smith and Julianne Huff and some other well-known household names, if you will. And then you've also launched this drink
4: product based on the foundation of it is Hickama. You got it. Yeah. So I've been working in this sphere for a while. I got a phone call from Will Smith just over a year ago, and he was really excited about this idea of food as medicine. And so he brought me on to the Red Table Talk, which is his wife Jada Pinkett's TV show. And that's when I was able to bring one of my colleagues, Dr. Mark Hyman, one of the really famous functional medicine doctor on. And we talked about you know, food and a lot of the health issues that people are dealing with today. And I can tell you that the feedback from that show was phenomenal. You know, what I always say to my clients is just because your symptoms are common, they are not normal. And yet here we are. We've gotten used to living with these kind of debilitating symptoms every single day, whether it's something as minor as a headache or feeling bloated or poor sleep or insomnia to something that's more major to anxiety or depression. So, you know, since then, ants up the forces of, you know, my personal brand, but it was also around the same time that we launched our company called Jicama. And Jicama is based on uh, the root vegetable, Jicama. It's the superfood. It's really high in prebiotic fiber. And everybody who's listening has probably heard a lot about probiotics, you know, from yogurts and kefir and kimchi and all that kind of stuff. But a a lot of science is really going towards prebiotics and prebiotics are basically indigestible fiber that come from a lot of natural sources that we know fuel the probiotics that live in our gut and our gut health is basically an ecosystem of bacteria and fungus you know all of these living viruses that we want to really optimize so hickama is something that i've used on my clients' meal plans for a long time because it's a perfect swap out for things like crackers and cookies and cakes it's crunchy it's loaded with vitamin C lots of hydration and super great for your digestion so we ended up turning it into a product and some really great flavors too spicy watermelon coconut
3: pineapple cucumber ginger like is there any specific reasons behind the formulas of merging those flavors together or were those just flavors that you developed for taste purposes
4: You know, we partnered with some amazing mixologists, our hospitality partners, and we wanted to create three amazing flavors because we kind of, what Craig I say is we want to put the fun in functional. So, you know, a lot of people think that when they try a healthy drink, it's got to taste a certain way or they have to plug their nose, but we wanted to taste something that was really great. So our cucumber ginger formula is really light and refreshing. You know, our spicy watermelon is Nice for a little bit of a kick. And then, of course, we wanted to honor, you know, the really sweet and fun flavor, which is our coconut flavor. So it's always interesting to see which flavor each person likes the most. Oh, I am definitely want to try, like, all three of them. And so tell me about your experience with Coachella. Yeah, so Coachella was um, a pretty incredible experience.
5: Yeah, Coachella is fantastic. You know, we were just a little idea, and then we got a call about two weeks before Coachella 2019, and our hospitality partners run all the VIP bars there. And they said, hey, would you like to be one of the official beverages of Coachella? And we're like, yes. And then, you know, we had two weeks to prepare. <laughs> And then no, we had I don't two want weeks it. to prepare. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. No, thank you. <laughs> but we found out two weeks before Coachella, so it was you know we had this little test brand that we were playing with, a boutique idea. And next thing you know, we needed to be able to serve fifteen thousand people in two weeks. So you know, I slept on the, my copacker floors uh, out in Texas, getting the product ready, getting it shipped to Coachella. Where we ended up breaking sales records for beverages outside of water and beer, we were the number one selling beverage there. And in the first weekend, we sold out everything we had for two weeks. And so we had to, I had to go back to the co-packer, reorder, resleep on the floor, have it reset back out the second week. And then you know, and that was the ginger cucumber version we had there. They added some really great tequila to it, and then they sold it for twenty dollars a drink. And then from there, we really realized that you know we were on to something.
1: I like the one with tequila into it. So that was just an added spot by Coachella or is that by uh, in your drink itself?
5: No, that was something Coachella does. Now, we have developed a 100-calorie version that has natural tequila in it with our flavors and canned. That's going to be on. We have kind of look at our spearhead is the natural version and healthy version that we're putting out now, but we've developed this kind of version that kind of takes on the White Claw market but is much better tasting and much better for you, even though it still has tequila in it.
1: Is that tequila I was thinking
5: a little
3: vodka healthy? would be good.
5: Vodka is fantastic with the cucumber ginger, and then a nice spicy rum with the coconut pineapple, and then with the spicy watermelon. It's all about a mezcal or a tequila.
3: And I guess the big question is: Is do you sell it in Hawaii? Right?
1: <laughs> 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 it will be selling in Hawaii immediately.
3: And I just love to know where the where was the spark of the idea.
4: Yeah, so as I said, jicama has been on my, my client's meal plans forever, and we were actually in Hawaii. We were pregnant with our second baby, and Craig was eating jicama, as we usually do, and he said, you know what? this would taste great juice. And so we flew back to L.A., we threw it in a juicer, we thought it tasted amazing, it's kind of like this sweet, frothy, watermelon kind of a drink, and we went directly online to see who was selling Hickama juice, and no one was doing it. And that's when we started to have fun, we went straight into formulating some products. We started making two-ounce wellness shots, because Wellness shots are a really big trend, so anti-inflammatory wellness shots. We started playing with just taking the water on its own, and then we mixed it with sparkling water, which we thought tasted fantastic. And that's when we started getting it out to our friends and family and doing some testing and sampling. And the feedback was just constantly affirming that we were on to something new and also innovative. So we're really excited to take something to market that's brand new.
5: And then we got invited to be at Coachella
1: 2020.
4: Which we all know how that story ends.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, unfortunately. (laughs) So, have you been able to sell products during the COVID?
5: Oh, yeah, we basically, when we, in March of last year, when I was in another co-packer getting ready for Coachella 2020, we were going to be, you know, we had started conversations with Virgin Cruise Lines. We have a hospitality partner that is the Seidel Group, and so that's Ace Hotel, MGM, Nomad. We started developing all these kind of places where we were going to be selling. Obviously, the COVID hit the hospitality market pretty well, so we had to do a pivot to uh, -to direct-to-consumer. So we spent the last eight months not only doing that, of getting ready for when post-COVID was going to be coming. So we did uh, really well with our direct consumer even though we were originally set up to be a food service as our first play.
1: So we have a couple of questions. If I come up with a great idea for a drink, okay, what do I do next? I mean, how did you decide, okay, great, I got this juicer and it's working. How am I going to make this into a, a brand, a drink that I can actually distribute and sell? I mean, that would be very tough for me.
5: Yeah, I think the, first of all, you start making a bunch of little mistakes throughout the process. The key thing to start is once you have your recipe, if you want to be something that's actually sold and magnified by 100,000 times, how am I going to reproduce that great taste you have in that drink over and over and over again? So each can you open up tastes exactly like the other. And how do I... You know when a big box store, how do I provide so what you really need to do is get into the operations, understanding ingredients, understanding shelf life under, you know we have a lot of friends that are in the natural juice business who are have a thirty day shelf life and are constantly throwing away products for us, we know that shelf stability was a big is a, an important thing in this business, so for us, we really delved into the efficacy. The sustainability, the operations, the ability to do, even if the world came to an end like it almost did with COVID, we are still able to operate and get product out. And that, for us, was the key to success. We didn't want to be a little boutique brand making, you know, 100 drinks a month and selling it. We really wanted to kind of be, you know, and we see ourselves as the next coconut. You know, just think of 15 years ago where coconut was and where it is now. It dominates the market, not only in drinks, but in and in uh, candy bars, all those kind of things, and that's how we the vision we see for jicama is not only a drink company, because we've a fully developed, from the refuse of the, uh, creating the jicama drinks, we have all this leftover jicama pulp, and what we did, we actually turned that into a prebiotic, nut-free flour. And then from that flour, wow. we began cook. We began cooking with it. We created Nokis and cakes. All prebiotic. All taste fantastic. Uh, you know what's great about jicama flour is that it it doesn't have. It's a bit neutral. It only has a little bit of a sweet taste, but it's. Fantastic, and even if we tested amongst our kids, they were just blown away by it. When usually trying to get them to eat anything that's vegan, gluten free, gluten free, all the free, all the free, they would say this. But it is wasn't true. The, the garbage. <laughs> no, but it's a. <laughs> it wasn't glycemic. Uh, it's a low glycemic <laughs> sugar, so it's very different.
4: Yeah, and that's a good point, too. So with all of these, we know that there's, like, a dominance of really sugary drinks in the marketplace. So the fact that we have fiber in our drinks, it stabilizes your blood sugar. So the same thing happens when we cook with it. So the big picture for our bread is develop these products that, you know, have the sweetness to them, but they actually support your blood sugar.
1: Well, That's a, that's excellent. Many, many people in this country have uh, sugar issues, cholesterol issues. If so you can have something healthy, well, there's different um,
5: And we also have studies out of Japan that show the use of jicama and its effect on type 2 diabetes. So jicama really is a superfood. And, you know, when we first started, people were wondering what the hell we are doing. They thought we were crazy. And then Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, Rachel Ray came out and said jicama is the next superfood. And suddenly everybody started realizing that we were on to something.
1: Well, I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow is a pretty big
3: (laughs) You have Will Smith and Gwyneth Paltrow endorsing Hickama. You've gone a long way in a short period of time. There's no doubt about that. Thank you.
5: Uh, yeah. Yeah.
3: I was just gonna pivot for a second and talk about so you guys are partners in life and in business, correct?
5: That's what yeah. she tells me <laughs> <laughs> Every- <laughs> so, hold on, the biggest
1: question is who is in charge? <laughs>
5: You know what? You know, we just got asked this question by an investor because they're obviously, you know, they're like, "How do you run a company? Run two kids? You know, Will Smith thing? Do all?" And we really are very good at uh, compartmentalizing and sharing and using our strengths and focus on different parts of the business. You know, I'm the super handsome one, so I handle obviously the operations <laughs> and the behind the scenes business. And, you know, the numbers and all that kind of stuff, obviously Mona has a strong understanding of that, but she's more of the front in terms of efficacy, uh, PR, you know, female-led, diverse leader. So we make a really great team.
4: Yeah, we do lots of uh, pass-offs in the kitchen and high-fives, that's for sure, but I would say more than anything, (laughs) especially for this past year, like, you know, things have been hard, so our heads have just been down, we're just staying focused on the really big picture and really how we want to feel, and it's funny how that really ties into our drinks as well. Like, when we think about people drinking jicama, we think about them doing it in a really fun way, you know, somebody who wants to be out there, eventually re-socialize, but just you know, doing something that's fun, but knowing that they're doing something to honor themselves and be good to themselves, it's going to keep them feeling healthy.
5: And we were really inspired by the uh, fruit cart culture that's down here in Los Angeles. Like you can get jicama, you know, you go up to Chicago, they are kind of aware of jicama, but anywhere here in Los Angeles, you could hit any street corner here and you can buy jicama from a fruit cart. So that was really inspiring to us that it had that not only had that health benefit, but it was, you know, a generationally loved, especially in the Southwest. And then every time we would go to the grocery store, and you know the cashier would always lean over to us when we were buying, you know, cases of jicama and they were wondering what we were doing. They always had a little secret to tell us about their grandmother and how they used to. Their grandmother used to give them jicama to like make them feel better in their stomach. So it was just you just felt the the love, the warmth, and the fun uh, that this product inspired amongst people.
1: Are you going to stick only with jicama or are you going to go into other fruits and vegetables? That's
5: a good question. Someone asked that the other day. I think you know, at this time, we're very focused on our current drink launch, and then ultimately, you know, what's great is we had a, you know, right now you can buy hickama wraps at Whole Foods, right? You can they're like natural jicama wraps. It's called Hika the company. So they reached out to us yesterday, and they are interested in partnering up because. On their end, they have a 1,000 gallons of jicama water available to them. That's their refuse. That's what they usually throw away. So, you know, we're really looking at using the entire product out in the marketplace. So we think we have, and if we really want to do what Zico did with coconut and other coconut brands, we feel we have a lot of opportunity with Jicama, and we'll look to other opportunities as we move through.
3: I think it's a super smart move to focus on that, too, because, I mean, there's coconut milk, coconut, I mean, just like you were saying before, and this could be that next trend, especially I didn't realize the centuries of ancient wisdom behind it and how it's been something that's been such an integrated part of people's culture for so long.
4: Absolutely. Like, it's pretty cool. We can use the entire vegetable, which is really great, so everything that we've made tastes amazing, so we're excited to get this out, and you know, the fact that it could take over the coconut market, where my mind goes, is really for kids, all these allergies that are popping up, where people need something that is also nut-free or dairy-free, we can turn our jicama juice into a jicama style of milk as well, or a sweetener, so it's so versatile, we're really excited for that, but yeah, definitely right now, we're focused on our jicama drinks.
5: The exciting part, too, is being brought, you know, we were introduced to this show, by Brian over at Dojo, uh, Expert Dojo, which so we're going through an accelerator right now. We have, you know, five investor meetings every day for the next three months. Uh, so it's a really powerful time in our lives. So we're kind of keeping our heads down, and but looking towards the future.
1: So I have two questions. One is right now you have the drink, you have this jicama shelter that you have, you're going to also get into liquor, and you have flour to make these cookies. Are there any other products that you guys have?
5: So currently, we're just selling the drinks right now. Uh, We've developed all that wide range of products, but because of capitalization, we're coming out of COVID, getting investment together for the next stage. Our main focus is the drinks, but obviously, we talk about the versatility and the product launches that we have coming down the road.
1: So last year, we had had somebody on Ask Brian for oatly, and they were taking oats to make milk. We've had almond milk, so uh, can you make jicama milk?
4: Yes. Yeah, you can. Well, it's can really cool with taking
1: that. up And
4: <laughs> Yes, that's the plan for sure. <laughs> it's and nut-free and I'm it's, it's naturally sweetened as well. Well, and Opa, and then Opa then just left- had a big IPO, right?
3: Yeah, I we have an yeah, IPO, we
1: but uh, yeah, Opal, Opal Winfrey p- has p- p- invested in it, and, and they are seeking a billion dollars to win IPO in the near future. Yeah. Uh, Mona, so how are you? continuing to operate as a homeopathic nutritionist and potentially a doctor while you're <laughs> developing. Her it father would be so proud. Family.
5: Her Indian father would be so proud.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a juggle, especially with uh, two kids who are six and under. So right now I'm actually working predominantly with, um, with Will Smith. So he's doing a TV series that's documenting his health journey he has to lose weight for his next role and he wanted to document everything so i'm on board for that which is really great and then i get my clients in one-on-one when when we're at home but otherwise it's all hands on deck for for
3: so how are you practicing your own wellness techniques as i mean you're talking about sleeping on the floors of co packers and two kids under six and meeting with five investors a day while you're launching these product lines like How are you practicing what you preach?
1: That's such a great question.
4: I I catch myself every day. I think I just put a post up about this yesterday. Um, I was on a call, you know, teaching Jesse Itzler's community about how to do this when you're someone who's driven and on the go and juggling so many hats as we all are doing these days. And I think it really comes down to rituals. You know, whatever habits that you make, you have to turn them into a ritual every single day. So over here, my mornings are my everything. I'm up between 5 and 5.30. I'll go through my practice and, you know, get everything done that I need for myself to start the day off right. Otherwise, nobody's happy in this house. And then i <laughs> <laughs> Happy yeah. life,
5: happy life.
4: <laughs> and then, of course, obviously, you know, it's really food. Food is fuel. I know that whatever we consume is either going to fuel health and energy that we need to keep this ship running, or it's going to make us feel depleted and fuel the fire and fuel inflammation again. I've been there, done that. So I just try to stay ahead. You know, on the weekends, I'll really take time to do a little bit of food prep. I'll only stock the food in my fridge and my cupboards that I know are, are healthy for us because if you don't buy it, then you can't eat it. And so it's really my philosophy. And then outside of that, you know, a little bit of mindfulness every single day. So my philosophy with my clients is to teach them, how do you take the ashram and bring it to the city? None of us can escape to a wellness retreat right now. So think about what are the three That you need to practice every single day to feel your best for me. It's meditation. It's the food that I eat. And of course, you know, just having a list of the things that I need to do so that I could just rest at night. What
1: about exercise?
4: Yeah, exercise is definitely not the same priority that I had given it in my 20s. So exercise comes in running after children. (laughs) taking the stairs we have a beautiful Peloton bike that I will hop on when I get 15 minutes here and there so I get it in you know I've really kind of lost that mentality of beating myself up and we're also lucky enough you know coming from Toronto we live in California so getting outside for a walk is everything to me that's how I get it in
1: that's, that's excellent. Are uh, you guys, how many employees do you have?
5: Oh, how many employees? Uh, well, you're talking to two of them uh, right now. And, hey, uh, yeah, star employees. But we we basically, at this stage, we're using consultants and advisors. One of our advisors discusses us as a inhale-exhale company. You know, when we need people, we bring them in. And when we don't need them anymore, we put them back out. So it actually is great. Um, it's hard. Sometimes it's a little challenging to keep a kinetic fiber throughout the entire thing. But But if you are always bringing in and putting back out the same people, it can be quite a great boost to the energy versus uh, full-time at this stage.
1: How many cans of the Hickory drink can you make per month? Oh, yeah.
5: So the interesting place of where we are as a startup is that, you know, we're doing our next run, which is 20,000 cans. Our can uh, run last year uh, was 20,000, but half of that was meant for Coachella. So we sold the amount that we planned on, and now we're using the Coachella amount for marketing opportunities. But we're doing another run, new boxes, new cans. We're putting a different skew of a mixed uh, six-pack out as well. So we're doing a run. So basically, that will be 20,000. We'll be done in eight weeks. But if Walmart calls us and says we need, you know, a million cans, we can do that. But you have, you know, the key to the startup business is that you don't want to get, no, we have two lines. Don't get over your skis and don't get run out of runway. Um, because, you know, the capital-intensive aspects of this business are much different than, say, a tech company or whatever it may be. You know, we have storage and trucking and canning and, uh, you know, nutritional and FDA and all these kind of other uh, auxiliary items that can really start – you know, chipping away at your capital requirements. So we are prepared for Walmart to come. The key with that lo you know that LOA or the MOU that they would provide is then going to find the capitalization to make sure you can actually take care of that in terms of ingredient canning and operations. So there's been a real master's degree in business going through this, uh, especially the backgrounds we come from. Okay.
3: Interesting because my question was actually something that we talked about on the break, which was the implementation of a co-packer versus your own manufacturing facility and if that was a goal for you or not. So you shared a little bit of insight with us off the mic, but I think everyone else would love to hear, you know, what your challenges are with having co-packer versus your own plant.
5: So basically if you had your own plant and you're running another business, that other business, unless Jicama is your main event, you know, client, and you're running Hicama 24-7, you're going to have to have other clients uh, to take over, and then you're dealing with other people's drinks and the nightmare of that. Now having a co-packer as a partner would be exceptional because ultimately you can begin lowering prices. They don't care about your volume runs. And then when Walmart comes and asks for a million cases, you can turn that on right away. The key challenge, though, is that when Walmart comes, it's not about necessarily having a co-packer. Those are easy to find. The challenge becomes your economy of scale. How do I ramp up and deliver a million cans from 20,000 previously, obviously the capitalization, but COVID did a real number on supply chains around the world. So now you have canning costs, you have your plastic costs, you have your corrugated cardboard or recycled cardboard for your boxes, all those prices have gone up. All the supply is harder to find. There's more drinks entering the marketplace than ever, so that's really taking up the canning supply. So the key to us is not necessarily a co-packing facility, it's really the capitalization so we can increase our economies of scale, increase our volume, thereby decreasing our overall cost and increasing our, cost, uh, our, our margin overall. So having a plant, though romantically, that sounds like you really have the pro, you know everything in your own hands, it actually is more of a challenge with something like that, because then you're running a different business.
1: Well, and one thing I want to mention about Walmart, okay? If you do get that big order from Walmart, they're going to cut you down on prices. So and you're making a couple of pennies. They are really sticklers in trying to keep that cost down, so they can pass them along to their, their customers. So it's a very tough Tough business to be in when you're dealing with with a company besides Walmart that has that much time. Oh yeah, so you get a lot and of we've horror,
5: Oh, we've heard horror yeah. stories, especially with Costco, where you know friends thought they got the golden egg, the golden goose. They were going to be huge, but you know it. You have product that falls off the truck. You have client. You know people like his business was a furniture business, so people were returning hundreds and hundreds of their furniture because they didn't know how to put it together. And he's like, it just crushed us because the volume can be the savior or the destroyer of your business so it's it's one of those things so our you know our next step right now we're direct to consumer uh through Hickamalife.com. prior to covid we were in conversations with walmart we're set up at kehi which is the international distri- our national distribution chain that handles walmart and airwan and all those kind of different things but our next focus is to begin looking at smaller specialty retailers that include like airwan mother's market and those that exist in the LA area and if we can really do a really great great job in Los Angeles then what we do nationally and internationally really takes on a more prominence
1: and mona what what do you think is the next step and evolution in this company
4: Honestly, we see that jicama is going to be the next superfood brand. We have, you know, three flavors of a delicious sparkling water that we know are, are love. So I see this taking off first. You know, we want to maximize, obviously, the potential of the entire jicama. So from there, the evolution, once we line up with the right partners, we're going to use the rest of our, our pulp that we use for the, the sparkling water. And then we're going to go directly out with the flour. So gluten-free flour products, nut free products that can really tie into a better-for-you version of the gluten-free craze that's happening right now. And I think people really need to understand that, you know, read your labels. If something says gluten-free or has all that checkmark, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you. Um, the fact that, you know, jicama flour will be one ingredient, jicama juice is one ingredient. Uh, we really want to stand behind that and deliver a better-for-you product that really tastes great. Um, that's fun, that comes from the earth, that has one ingredient. So I really do see big picture for this. But right now, guys, I'm so excited to get the sparkling water out to everybody and to have it be such a success in the same way that it was at Coachella.
1: And I believe Coachella has been canceled again for this year. Right?
4: Yes, it has.
1: <laughs> it, physically, or, or not or mentally. mentally.
5: We're all going to party.
3: It'll <laughs> <laughs> come roaring back, like everything else. We're hoping for everything to come roaring back. Exactly. What is one tip that you would give a, if you were to do this all over again? What's the one thing you would do differently or better if someone's in your shoes right now?
5: I think I would focus on. partnering your way to success. And that's what we did. That's not something we should have done. That's what we did. And that was the key for us because ultimately we didn't have the capitalization. We didn't have the background. We didn't have all these kind of different things. For us, it was about who else is doing a really good job in their expertise and how can we align with them with what we're doing. And that has paid its dividends all the way through COVID. That's the key for us. That really made us the light at the end of the tunnel That we knew we had relationships and partnerships that would come back alive once we came out the other
1: end. And your website where people get in touch with you because we got to go.
5: Hickamalife.com. Hickamalife.com.
1: Can people buy products directly from there?
5: Yes, sir. Free shipping right here home. (laughs)
3: I've already (laughs) ordered them. Yes, I know that for sure. (laughs)
1: Alright, so your sales have now doubled Alright, so I hope not Well, thank you very much You're listening to KHS 1220 98.1 FM We had a wonderful guest on today Tracy, thank you very much Greg, thank you Moner. you insightful I appreciate everything you offered And we'll have you back on sometime
0: in the future Thank you very much and goodbye